Welcome to Creating Kesha, conversations about connecting. In each episode, I get to have a conversation with one of my colleagues about ideas, concerns, issues, and solutions to improving and deepening our marriages. I'm your host, Lisa Tversky. I'm having a conversation today with Dr. Robert Leibovitz, who's a senior psychologist practicing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who together with his partner, Dr. Gerard Meyer, have developed mind-focused therapy or mind-focused coaching, which we will probably hear a little bit more about later. Uh, But it relies heavily on the idea of choice, which is what we're going to talk about today, but choice in marriage. Welcome, Robert. Thank you very much, Lisa. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, so let's talk about choice, choice in marriage. You have a very interesting take about how choice, the role that choice plays in marriage. And let's hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So let me tell you a little bit about how this, how this sort of came about in terms of its, its application to marriage. <clears throat> I had a very interesting experience many years ago. I was buying an anniversary card and the clerk um, who was checking me out, Pittsburgh's a very friendly place. And the clerk asked me how many years I'd been married. And I told her and she was impressed. I guess she didn't know too many people who'd been married more than 25 years or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, what's the secret to marriage? Okay. And for whatever reason, I decided to actually answer the question as opposed to just give sort of some clever, you know, response, I decided to actually say something serious to her. And what I said to her was, the single most important thing in every marriage is to never take your spouse for granted. Mm -hmm. That is the single most important thing. Never take your spouse for granted. Recognize, and this is where we get to choice, that everything a person does is a choice. Every action, every reaction, everything they do is a choice. So when a spouse does something for you, it's a choice. They don't have to. Don't forget about responsibility. Forget about who's supposed to do what for whom. Every action is a choice. The fact that they live up to their responsibility is a choice. Mm. And by, by extension, of course, when someone does something for you, they're giving you a gift. They're doing something because they're choosing to do it as opposed to choosing not to do it. Mm-hmm. And choice allows for this mutual appreciation that this person is actually doing something for me out of their own desire, out of their own will to be good to me. Mm-hmm. And that connects people. The awareness, the sense that this person is doing something for me, cares about me, is, is making this choice is what brings me closer to the person and obviously vice versa. I do the same thing for this person too. So choice is the basis for not taking people, for not taking a spouse for granted and for recognizing what we get from our spouses and what we give to our spouses. And obviously we don't always get everything we want. Yes. Is, is, Staying in this positive place, obviously, I guess, also a choice, um, is how do you help people sort of 
be more in that positive place of what their choice, their spouse is choosing to do that they benefit from rather than get stuck on, hooked on, mired in, but my spouse isn't choosing to this that I wanted them to, and my spouse isn't choosing to that that I needed them to, or how do you, how do you help people? Choice can be sort of so, um, I don't know, iffy sometimes in terms of how people are going to use it. Right, right. So there's another lesson that I teach people. Mm-hmm. And that is we're all imperfect, right? I think that's not a... Speak, speak for yourself, surprise. Bobby. Speak for yourself. That's not a big surprise, right? <laughs> what that means is that there is really only one thing I can absolutely be sure of that will happen in every relationship I'm in. Mm -hmm. And that thing is, at some point in time, I will be disappointed. Uh At some point in time, this person, because this person doesn't read my mind, doesn't recognize every nuance of everything I want, or is preoccupied, or has other contingencies as other responsibilities at some point in time i won't get what i want i will be disappointed that is absolute there is no relationship that doesn't have that element it always is there now of course the question is yes but is that the minus the minor experience or is that the dominant experience right right mm-hmm. well in most i would say in most good marriages It's a minor experience. It's one of the things we live with, okay? But it doesn't characterize the marriage. My choice is what do I focus on? And this brings me to the mind focus therapy, right? What do I focus on? Do I focus on what experiences I get where my spouse chooses to do for me? Or do I focus on the things that my spouse does not choose to do for me? Right. My focus. My focus is my choice. Right. That is my choice. Can we rewind for a minute? Sure. Because I think that you said something that we need to dig. I don't know if we need to dig into it more or just underline it for people, which is this idea that in every marriage, you, no matter the marriage, no matter how good, no matter what's going on, you will always have points at which you're disappointed, or you will always have things that you were disappointed yes. about. Yes. And I think that a lot of people go into marriage with the expectation that if it's a good marriage, I won't have those feelings. And then it becomes this cascade where, so if I'm having those feelings, it's a bad marriage. And if it's a bad marriage, then I have to look at all the things that are bad. And that sort of leads us down that uh, um, snowballing effect of choosing, maybe not meaning to, but choosing or going with the negative choices or the, the things that are negative that to choose to think about as opposed to down the other hill. Right. Or something. Right. Yes. That that's why I make that point to all to every every couple that I work, every individual that I work with around relationships. Disappointment is simply baked in. 
It's baked into our life experience. We are imperfect. The people we interact with are imperfect. There is naturally going to be experiences where what I want, and by the way, let's not forget that oftentimes we want mutually exclusive things, right? Right. We want our cake and eat it too, right? Mm -hmm. So it's virtually impossible at times to get everything we want because we want two different things, right? I want or I want one thing and you want something else and the marriage isn't more mine than yours. Precisely. So one of us is not going to get what we want. Right. Exactly right. So that, that idea that disappointment is somehow a flaw in the marriage is a complete misperception. It is baked into every relationship and there's nothing wrong with that. We're also built to be able to deal with disappointment. We have the capacity to deal with it. We have the capacity to recognize what's big, what's small, what's consequential, what's not consequential. We can choose and recognize that the totality of the relationship, right? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole relationship is more than any one thing or any set of experiences. It's a whole relationship. And the disappointment is going to be there. It's not a flaw. It's not something we have to expunge because we can't. It's just part of life. It's part of the relationship. Right. Now, you also said that um, we're looking at the totality and that we're talking really now, and I want to make that point, and I want to stick with that point. I want to acknowledge that there's some relationships where the totality of positive to negative is is not the greater ratio that the ratio of negative to positive actually exists but we'll, let's let's talk about that second or separately yes. first we're talking about the relationships where the the ratio of positive to negative is greater the positive is greater and right. that how we choose to view the choices of our spouse and to see how much they try and to see how much they do and to see how much they care is what's going to add to our connection. Yes. Or if we go the other route, it will erode our connection. Correct. Correct. Do you think, do you think this means constantly thanking them or constantly being mindful in your own self? Is this a, a general concept? Like, how does this, how do you see this kind of having to play out, practically speaking, in, so, in the relationship between them? That's a great question. Thank you. I'll, I'll respond like every good Jewish person by answering a question with another question. Uh-oh. Is there ever a reason not to say thank you? Uh-huh. Well, I think it could get a little bit tedious. There's a lot yes. of little things that a spouse yes. might be doing back and forth all day long. We don't want it to become a game. No, it's not. That's the point. It's it's not about, you know, keeping score. This is not a scorecard thing. OK, right. this is an attitude, but it's an awareness. It's an awareness more than anything else in my own thoughts right? that I am looking at what my spouse is doing and I am taking in what my spouse is doing as a choice 
this person is making a choice to do this for me. Mm. I, I think that by and large, you know, it may be un, unfamiliar for some people to be saying thank you routinely, whatever, but actually it's not that, it's not that difficult to be thinking thank you, okay? Right. Whether it gets spoken all the time or not, to be thinking thank you is not that hard. And I think that I think that when you are thinking thank you, say that 10 times fast, I think that when you're thinking thank you, there is a certain climate in the relationship that you create. Your spouse feels that if your overall um, outward you know, view is positive, I think that there's a sense of that, even without the constant, thank you, this, thank you, that, thank you, the other thing. If you're feeling it and recognizing it and acknowledging it internally, that's there. It's in the room or the home or or something. Yes. No, there's no question about that. It becomes the dominant experience. It, it becomes the filter, so to speak, through which you perceive and experience what your spouse does. Right. It's it's that thinking thank you, that that recognition, this is a choice, I am appreciative. And it's it, it's really fascinating because I would say, you know, we all recognize the power of gratitude. Okay. And yeah. when I say we all, I mean, you know, as as from Jews, certainly, but they're they're I work in Pittsburgh. I work with many, many, I would say probably the majority of my practice is with non-Jews, non-observant Jews. And everyone recognizes what gratitude feels like and what it makes a person feel like. And when that attitude is permeating in the relationship, it's a different quality. There's a different quality to the interaction and it connects. Yes, definitely. So let's talk for a minute about the person who is not feeling like their choices or their efforts are are being appreciated, that they're sort of being taken for granted or not in a mean way, not, not, we're not yet up to talking about the spouse who's actually overtly demanding and unkind, but we're talking about the spouse who just sort of takes it as a given and that other spouse who's feeling like, you know, I need more recognition slash connection. Um, is this something we can, do we have the ability in a good, and if so, what's a good way or appropriate way or helpful way to raise this and to bring this so that it can be heard and 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 understood? And just, I want to take a moment and remind people that you can, send in your own questions or topics you'd like to see us addressed at podcast at keshereducation.com. But if you could answer us that, how can someone raise that to their spouse? Excellent. Let's establish first that the phenomena of taking of being taken for granted, of taking for granted, is destructive to a marriage. Right? Let's accept that as a principle. It, when that when that enters into a relationship, it is corrosive to a relationship. To be taken for granted is to be made invisible, 
Mm-hmm. And when people feel invisible, they feel less than people. So it is incredibly corrosive. Okay. Once you establish that that's true, then you have to accept, and this is something that I've told many spouses, it is incumbent on both the recipient, on both the transmitter and the receiver, meaning the person who is doing the taking for granted and the person who is on the receiving end of being taken for granted to not allow it to happen. Uh Even the person who is being taken for granted has to speak up, has to voice their their expectation, and it's a very justifiable expectation, that their actions be recognized, that they be recognized, that they not be made invisible. They have to speak up. And it is as much, for some people I know what I'm saying is going to come as a bit of a a startling, maybe controversial statement, but as much the responsibility of the person who is being taken for granted to not let it happen as it is for the person who carelessly takes for granted. Right. And and because I'd like this to be practical, and because I think that the people who are in the position of feeling taken for granted and letting it go and letting it go and letting it go and thinking they're being nice and they're being kind and they're doing well for the relationship, which is exactly the opposite of what you're saying, which I totally agree with. Right. Can you give them, because I often find that those people are people who they don't know how. It's like, I'm either quiet or I'm going to explode, or I'm quiet until I explode. You want to give a few pointers. What what are some ways that they could say it in language that is not accusatory or negative or, or what someone might feel is going to be harmful to the relationship, that there are ways of raising things. I think people aren't taught that. And so they just keep quiet till they're actually doing the thing that is harmful because they're exploding. Right. So how about some little tools, tips, lines? So the first, first idea to consider is that healthy relationships involve spouses who have healthy self-esteem. Okay. Which not everyone has, but okay. Not everyone has. That's absolutely right. And that we can go into what makes it hard for some people to speak up, right? Okay, whatever. Right. But the, the idea that I ought to be recognized is not narcissistic. It's not egocentric. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to put myself up as the greatest thing since sliced bread. I deserve, like everybody, to be recognized, which means that I'm going to communicate. I'm going to say it. Right? Mm-hmm. I think I told you the story, so I'll tell it to you on the air, right? Yeah. Um, years ago, um, I started doing something when, when I would go to shul in the morning, my wife, oftentimes a couple times a week, she would go to the gym to her gym and uh, I would leave and I'd go pick up a coffee, a cup of coffee for myself and I'd get a cup of coffee for her and I'd leave it at the desk of the gym, just stop by, drop it off and leave it for her. Mm-hmm. And she would say, thank you very much. It's really sweet of you, et cetera. You know, and I, I got into a habit where I just, it was just simple enough for me to do. It was close by. It was easy, whatever. Okay. And after a while, I started to notice that she stopped saying thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, she just didn't say anything about it. Right. And I, I probably, I don't know, maybe a week or maybe not much longer than that. I said to her, you know, you don't say thank you anymore. Mm. I didn't say anything else. I didn't say 
why don't you say thank you? I didn't say, you know, I guess you're not appreciating me. I didn't engage in any sort of um, accusatory or derogatory. Right. I just said very straightforward, you don't say thank you. Okay. And her response was, you're right. I really should say thank you. And, and we got back to where we were before. And the reason that I said it was not because if she hadn't said thank you, I wasn't going to bring her a cup of coffee. It was because I knew it was my responsibility not to allow myself to feel taken for granted. That was my job. So I would bring it to her attention. And I think you can speak, again, not in accusatory terms, not in, in, you know, you don't put your spouse on the spot. There's no point to that. You just make it very clear. I really appreciate it. I really want you to notice that I'm doing this. Right. That's important to me. Right. I really think we both should notice what we do for each other. And I really want you to notice this. Okay. And that totally circles back in my mind to what you said about wanting that and needing that is not about narcissism, isn't about self-centeredness, isn't, you know, there's so many people that they have that twinge that you had that, hey, she's not saying thank you, that twinge, and they talk themselves out of it, or they talk themselves down about it. You know, I don't really need it. And then, and, and well, why do I need it? And what's it for? And they just miss the fact that they're losing an opportunity for connection. Exactly. That when I'm just holding up a mirror and, and you can have a relationship with a mirror because every time you nod, I nod. And every time you shake your head, I shake your head. Basically, you're, there's, there isn't connection in that. And even if it's uncomfortable to say, you know, you don't say thank you anymore. Right. And I think that's so critical. Uh, I want to I emphasize what you just said, right? We're both, when I say we, both spouses, we're on the same page, right? We both want to have a marriage that gives us joy. That's all this is. This isn't me telling you how great I am and you should think I'm the best of the best. This is me trying to Get us to be even more connected so we can both be so happier with each other. That's all it is. Mm. It's a way to improve the connection that we have. That's what it's for. Right. That's and exactly that, what it's for. And that's the signal that it's time to do it is when you're having that twinge. Yes. And not when you're ready to explode from one twit, excuse me, one twinge building on another till you're at 20, the twinge is enough to say something connective, right? Right. Even, you know, whatever, whatever that might be, whatever your style is, um, you know, and, and sometimes people will hold back because they say, well, my spouse wouldn't say that, or my spouse doesn't need it. Or, you know, or sometimes I feel like, you know, the women get self-deprecating and the men feel unmacho. Um, and, and these are the things we have to struggle with, but yes. they're worth struggling with yes. in yes. order to have connection. Right. You know, and, and again, What I said before, jokingly, is there a reason not to say thank you? There's no loss here. You know, it's not like we're programmed with only X number of thank yous. And once we use them up, we're done. So we have to be very careful to make sure we only use them for big things. 
right? We have an infinite number, so to say, of thank yous available to us. And we can do it whenever we want. And we can share it whenever we want. And the power of the of gratitude of connecting is huge. Right. So it's both, it's in, as I said, it's necessary for both spouses to always recognize I have to take responsibility for not being taken for granted. I've got to take responsibility for not taking my spouse for granted. I'm I'm, how should I say, a party to both sides of this. Right. And I and it doesn't have to be something big and it doesn't have to be a big statement and it should be a statement without judgment or rancor or, you know, accusation. Just I want to be connected to you. Right. What you're saying, um, which is so, so important. What you were the point that you were making that I think is very, very important about how unfamiliar it is for people. It's important for to recognize it's not going to feel natural. Right. Okay? It's not going to feel natural to do something that is so direct mm-hmm. for many people. Okay? Right. And that's perfectly fine. It doesn't have to feel, quote unquote, natural, especially when you're talking about behavior that's new. Right. Right. But the fact that it doesn't feel natural doesn't make it not real. It's just as real, even if it doesn't feel natural to begin with. Right. Yeah. As time goes on, it becomes more natural. And, you know, I think that a lot of times, this is probably a whole other show, but I feel like a lot of times people want to, you know, they think if it doesn't feel right, then it's probably not right. And it only should be done and is right if it feels right. And so they wait and wait and wait until it feels right, not realizing that this particular thing or that particular thing, and certainly the thing we're talking about, will only feel right or feel comfortable the more you do it it will never feel good in the beginning so if you're going to wait till it feels normal to do you're not going to do it and then you've lost out or or you've probably exploded and actually eroded some of the possibility for closeness Absolutely. absolutely so you have to override your discomfort um because Marriage is, it, is, it's quite, yeah. quite funny to me okay, that we place so much stock in this notion of something that feels natural when about the only thing that is really natural is for an infant to run around without clothes. I mean, that's about the only thing that's natural. Everything we do, everything right. that we become is something that we've acquired, right? Mm-hmm. Different skills, different act, different behaviors. This is something to acquire. For some people, it's easier. For some people, it's harder. No question. Right. And how does this feed in? Because, you know, I told everyone we'd hear a little bit about it. How is this feed in or a part of, or, or however you're going to say it, um, part of your um, therapy and coaching that you do around choice right. and mind focus? Uh, what? Tell us a little bit about that. So, we're, we've developed a, a, essentially a methodology to help people change. And what we start with is where do I want to go? Where do I want to get to? What is my destination? Mm-hmm. So think about two people who marry, okay? They have, both of them have in their own vision and, and a wish, a hope that they will achieve 
a loving relationship, that they will be together, that they will be happy together. They will share family. They will share, you know, good times. There'll be some bad times, but they have an idea of this is where I want to get to. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Once I know where I want to get to, then the question becomes, of course, how do I get there? Right. Right. Okay. To order to understand how I get there, well, I'm going to, I need to know where am I starting from? So for some people, right? Some people have a very easy time becoming close, becoming connected. Some people have a much more difficult time. You know, mm-hmm. Some people have a hard time accepting thank yous as much as saying thank yous. Okay? Right. For whatever reasons they have, you know, sometimes it's a matter of they don't feel they deserve it. Sometimes it's a matter that they, it's, it, it's too intimate in some way. Thank you means so much more than thank you, whatever. And right. we help people understand what these things mean to them and how they can choose those options, those choices, those actions that will bring them closer to what their destination looks like. So it's real simple. I, I had a client once who was telling me about an argument he had with his wife. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he just got so frustrated, he couldn't help it. He had to yell at her. Okay? <laughs> he had to yell at her. Right. And I looked at him and I said, okay, you had to yell at her or not. Right. And he looked at me, what do you mean or not? I said, well, one or the other, either you had to yell at her or you did not have to yell at her. Those were your choices. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, which one of those two choices is probably going to make it make it easier for the two of you to have a good relationship. But you have to be able to see the choice. And in order to see the choice, you have to know, well, what am I doing now? So we help people recognize what it is they're doing now and what other possibilities they have to do it. And the concept that that I said or not is whatever it is I'm doing, I can always do the opposite. Mm. Whatever it is, I can always do X or not X, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's how we help people develop a whole attitude of moving in one direction as opposed to moving in another direction by making choices that bring them closer and closer to what it is they want to have in their lives. Right. Wow. That that sounds like it would be a great... Um... Uh, you know, I'm working on this project, Kesher Education, which is eight weeks, uh, an eight-week course for husbands separately and wives separately, where each week the husbands and the wives learn the same material about developing a relationship, and they go home and they have work together, and then they come back and they hear the next set. Um, and I think that, you know, we're, we started this because we feel that there's a great need in the community to, to really learn the fundamentals um, of what it means to be in a relationship and what, it, you, what our expectations and our assumptions are that can get in the way of relationship and to work together. Um, and it sounds like, you know, for those who are going to still have a hard time understanding themselves, really getting to know this concept of choice, I think is, is tremendous. Um, it's a very powerful concept. It's a very, very powerful u- u- usage. And when people see 
Yeah. They are making choices. When people see that they are choosing to focus on one versus the other, one perspective over another perspective, it frees them. They're now free to think of other choices. Well, what could I do not this way or this way, right? And that's incredibly powerful. That's what people come come out with when they tell me about how useful this is. They they tell them they tell me they feel incredibly empowered to now really do what they would like to do because they see choice. Right. Well, choice is um, certainly a powerful message uh, in marriage and in life. And I really appreciate you spending the time to talk with us about choice specifically in marriage and how it leads to connection, which is the focus of this uh, podcast. And I look forward to talking about other things, other subjects, and and tackling other issues uh, with you at another time. My pleasure. And don't forget to have your question or idea for a show address. Email us at podcast at keshereducation.com. See you all next time.